Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And my story is that I've always been about quality of life and freedom. And so for a long time, I thought it would be a high paying profession, you know, the nine to five, you know, climb the corporate ladder. And I realized that freedom is actually composed of time, financial, location, health, the ability to choose and have options and be free. Um, In that light, I started scouring the globe, looking for entrepreneurs, truly successful, creating this type of freedom for themselves in all areas of life. And therefore, I'm happy to welcome Craig Andrews, and he's going to talk about his experiences and building his company, sales. Uh, It's going to be a great discussion about the shortcomings of the medical system and what we can do to prevent it. So, Craig, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here, Chris. It's great to meet you. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested in uh, people's origin story. And so tell us how you got started, your your journey, and how you, got, how you started your company. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting journey. Uh, when I was uh, in high school, I was not what they would call a model student. And so as graduation approached, I realized uh, there was no university that would accept me that anybody had ever heard of. And so I went into the Marine Corps for six years, and that took me to different places, uh, took me over to Japan a lot, learned Japanese while I was over there. And um, when I when it came time to get out of the Marine Corps, I decided I wanted to create things. And so actually from a Japanese post office, I applied to go to North Carolina State University, got accepted, moved back to the U.S., went um, after a short summer uh, down at the beach, I moved up to Raleigh and um, got a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering, got out and got a very nice job and started working on my master's. And by the time I completed my master's in engineering, I realized that engineering was not the place to go create. It wasn't the creative haven that I was looking for. It was actually quite stifling, quite limiting. And so this is a little bit of what you're talking about. I made all this investment, uh, had had a very nice job. I was designing cell phones for one of the top three cell phone makers at the time. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do. So I went into marketing and I stayed somewhat close to home in that I was marketing chips for mobile telephones. So uh, I've been the world's biggest uh, phone maker. Most of those names have shifted. It was, you know, when I was in, it was a Motorola, Nokia. Uh, Apple was still up and coming at the time. And uh, Samsung and LG, you know, and Apple and Samsung are obviously still big players. But the thing that I saw, I could see it coming that the day was going to come when the margins compress so small, they're going to start asking me to fly coach to Asia. I used to go to Asia four or five times a year. And the idea of flying coach 
four or five times a year to Asia, and I'd spend two weeks when I was over there. It's like, no, when that day comes, I'm out. And sure enough, it came. And I thought, well, I'm pretty good at marketing. You know, I drove over a half billion dollars of revenue in that world. I'm let me go take this to other folks. And so I started on this path. And it's funny when I run into some of my old colleagues, they ask me what it's like. And I said, you know, I've spent the last 10 years learning how little I know about marketing. Uh, it's just been an amazing journey of discovery. Uh, and, you know, back in that world where we were driving such high sales numbers, we were tapping into just a fraction powerful marketing, you know, the tools that can really drive powerful marketing. And that's been what's been so exciting. I tell, tell my buddies, I say, I exchanged my engineering texts for psychology texts. So instead of uh, designing a circuit to work a, a certain way, uh, it's more about uh, designing the, the brain to respond in a, a certain way. We, we program what, what's called people's system one thinking to help them make decisions favorable towards our clients. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because, um, you know, we, there's so many um, tangents we can talk about, you know, and uh, really the people that create a life for themselves is people that see the trend. So you saw the trend, the, the shrinking margins. I saw it as a medical student, you know, basically it was shrinking margins, higher time requirements. And it, you know, the point where it's like, I better get prepared in case, you know, I have to, you know, jump ship and have something, maybe backup plans. And, uh, you know, what's interesting is these days, you know, the school system, like you can be the most educated person in the world, but you can also be the poorest person, you know, and vice versa too. So it's really how you navigate and your transferable skills and how you apply those skills. Um, and you really need a entrepreneurial business mindset. To really succeed because um you know the traditional way of this uh what you call a stifling is it, it, it doesn't really work for the majority of people now so um yeah what uh it's interesting because uh so we can one thing is um so you talk about sales and and you have a lot of marketing experience and so tell you uh, like for example in today's environment really dynamic you know social media and so how do you create an environment where people want to buy instead of, you know, selling to people? Well, that, that was a matter of necessity because I suck at sales and I took all sorts of sales training and I had to do it to feed my family. And I get on the sales calls, I do what they tell me to do and they would always fail. Well, I, I had an epiphany at one point and I realized that a there is no sales pitch that can ever come a bad offer but a truly irresistible offer can even overcome a bad sales presentation. And I actually had that happen a couple of weeks ago. We we're launching something new and I got on the Zoom call with somebody. I thought the presentation was ready. I'd worked on it for a couple months, you know, a couple months prior, thought it was ready. I get on the call with them and partway through the presentation, I realized it's a complete mess. Uh, so much so I just apologized. I said, look, I'm sorry. I thought this was in better shape. I completely fumbled the presentation and I, I get to the end. And the one thing that I got right is something we call a first time offer. It's our first engagement with any client. And so I just laid it out and it was a irresistible offer. And at the end of the call, he said, yeah, let's, let's do this. And, um, and so that's an example of a, an irresistible offer overcoming a bad sales pitch. But, you know, you're asking about, 
how do we create the environment? So we specialize in high ticket, high trust sales. Mm. You know, so if you can buy it on Amazon, there, there's a lot of people that do that. There's a lot of people that do that better than us. Uh, our specialty is if you have high ticket sales, we have a formula that works really well with that. And the problem is if we look at it from a relational standpoint, the way most people approach high ticket sales is the equivalent of walking into a bar, you see somebody cute on the other side of the bar and you go up and you say, hey, you're kind of cute. May I get your phone number? Better yet, let's just get married. Well, well, that's inappropriate. We know it's inappropriate. So we, so most people don't do that. I know some that try, uh, but most people don't do that. And what's so bizarre to me is when we change the setting, they, you know, from that, you know, trying to get into a courtship to high ticket uh, sales, that's what exactly what we do. Hi, how do you do, Chris? My name's Craig. I've got a six-figure program that I think's going to transform your business. What do you say? You know, it's just that's insane. So what we do is we put together what we call a, a coffee date. It's a first-time offer, and you know, it has a number of things. We can go into this, but it has like a, a minimum of three, a maximum of five deliverables that represent three to five milestones that move them three to five steps closer from where they are to where they want to be. And there's a lot of things in there that we do to just make it irresistible. Uh, but one of them is we make sure it's priced stupidly cheap, so cheap that anybody can spend that money without ever being held accountable. So we say it's the coins in the cushion in the couch or the money in the wallet or the B2B equivalent of that. And so for B2B, just to give you a number, uh, our first time, this is on our website. This is no secret. Our first engagement with everybody is 497 because pretty much anybody in an organization can make that purchase without being held accountable. Uh, certainly anybody that we want to deal with. And so it gives them a chance to go in. And what we do is we just pack a ton of value in that. And through that, they also get educated about the way we work. It's the coffee date. You know, when you go on that coffee date, both of you have high hopes that will progress into something further. You know, it's, you don't go on the coffee date because you want it to fail. You go on the coffee date because you want it to succeed, but you're cautious. And so what we found is in the process of doing that, roughly 80% of the people who buy our first time offer go on to be. Interesting. And uh, so one thing is like, especially for um, you high ticket sales, what's interesting is you say, um, very high ticket, but also high trust. And that takes, you know, time, you know, to the analogy with dating, there's like speed dating, you know, now there's like Tinder and all these. So how do you shorten high ticket sales cycle? From somebody who is exceptionally good. And she said, Craig, the fastest way, the best way to speed up a sale is to slow it down. And so that's what it appears like. And, and this is, and this can mess with sales guys, you know, what, when we're working with somebody, we give them a different sales playbook because the sales playbook they have won't work with these first-time offers. Now, the beauty is the, the, if you put a first-time offer in front of a qualified client, they just say uh, yes. In terms of speeding it up, what ends up happening? You know, when you're talking five, six, seven-figure deals, uh, or sometimes even four-figure deals, what matters is if it feels expensive to the person buying, that's going to slow down the process. And so what happens is 
when you're saying, hey, to sign up with me, you're just to be clear, you're making a six-figure commitment. Well, guess what? They do due diligence at a level that's appropriate for a six-figure commitment. Well, what we do in this first time offer, this little mini project, is we basically help them do their due diligence and we get paid a little, but we get paid a little uh, helping them accomplish their due diligence. And at the end of that, they're like, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense. I mean, if somebody's coming to you, uh, hopefully it's because you know something they do not. And when you're delivering this, this is where you you start rolling out those things and you have them experience it. You have them experience it instead of giving them a 20 slide presentation saying, you know, you know, well, listen here, here's what's going on and blah, 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 blah. You know, when they actually experience it, that's when the lights come on. And when if you're the first one that came to them with us, you are now the sole source supplier for whatever problem it is you solve. And it ties into a Maya Angelou quote. People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And it's in the delivery of that mini project where you make them feel different and you have a lot of control over how they feel. And when you, you make them feel good, that's creating that environment where they went by. So you, you and I talked about something that happened to me um, you know, about 18 months ago. I, you know, I got sick with COVID and it was a Delta variant and anybody that went on the ventilator died. That's just it. Mm. And I had Delta variant and, uh, and I went on the ventilator and they, you know, they told my wife from day one that I was on the ventilator. They said, Craig will die. Mm. And she was really good. She, um, she said, well, he's not going to die alone. I'm going to come visit him. And they said, no, 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 family's not allowed in. And uh, thankfully she prevailed uh, and she came in for an hour a day. And she would sing to me and she'd pray over me and she'd say words of encouragement. And I, it, I was lights out for about six weeks. And something amazing happened. When I woke up six weeks later, my trust in the doctors had plummeted. Hmm. It just dropped through the floor. Mm-hmm. But my trust in my wife went through the roof. I mean, it truly transformed. It was, in a weird way, it's the best thing that ever happened to our marriage. But all of this happened when I was lights out. Now, a lot of people thought I wasn't listening or couldn't hear, uh, but I've repeated back to my wife word for word things that she said to me when I was in a coma. And so it's that feeling. And, and you know, I remember, so I was on the vent 25 days uh, the first time, then they moved me to an LTAC hospital and they put me back on the vent when they were transporting me. I was on the vent another five days mm-hmm. and my wife came to me and I think they stepped me down to CPAP and my, and the doctors were trying to get me to go off CPAP and I just would not do it. My wife asked me about, it, I'm like, and I just shook my head. No, I still couldn't talk at the time. And she came back the next day and she asked me, you know, if we could do that. And I whispered to her, I said, is it safe? And she said, oh yeah, it's safe. It's going to be okay. Hmm. So I trusted her with that answer. I didn't trust the doctors. Um, you know, and so it's back to that thing where, where I said, you get to control how people feel. And when you're doing that little mini project with them, you can make them feel in a way that they will only want to buy from you. You can also make them feel in a way that they will never buy from you. That's your choice. That's interesting. Um, 
it's, it's similar to what you like the like the healthcare system like i said is is, is quite poor given our relative standard of living you know it's very similar like a you know going to an airport what is flying have to be so traumatic it's like and and then they, they just don't innovate because they don't have to you know it's like they think you know it's like you said that's the government so and i love this idea where this um and so how can uh people contact you follow you uh reach out to you and uh, follow you on social media yeah so we're i'm obviously on linkedin that's main presence i have a tiny presence on twitter uh small presence on facebook uh but if somebody wanted to reach out they, they could come to our website it's allies that's spelled a-l-l-i-e-s the number four and me.com yeah and uh for all the it's listeners out there available for, go ahead yeah so i've 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 made a gift for your audience and uh so we've talked lightly about these first-time offers um they are they look simple, but they're a lot harder to put together. I've uh, The way I know is I've made a ton of mistakes. I've fumbled around for 18 months before I barely got one working. I mean, my first first-time offer, uh, nobody wanted it. Nobody understood it. Nobody bought it. Uh, to me, it made perfect sense, but it was, it was a bad offer. And about 18 months later, I sort of had it going, and then we perfected it over time. Well, I've made a guide uh, to help you avoid a lot of the mistakes that I made. And uh, we also have a self-paced course where you can go in and take that. And the we're giving you 23 days access. Let me explain why. We're in the business of changing lives. We went and we did. And I know that if I give you lifetime access to this course, which I wouldn't mind doing, I know what will happen. You'll sign up and then you'll never put it to work. So we're limiting it to 23 days. So it gives you a sense of urgency. So you'll actually go in and put it to work so hopefully will change your life as much as it's changed mine. And um, and so the way you get there, the way you get that gift is you go to alliesforme.com, same, same website, Allies FP for financial freedom for physicians. So go to alliesforme.com slash FFP and it'll take you to a page, you can sign up uh, and you get those gifts. Yeah, and uh, for all the listeners out there, let's thank uh, Craig for coming on to the show, dropping a lot of alpha and a lot, a lot of knowledge and wisdom. Uh, and um, all of his resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to check him out on especially LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, thank you. It's been a delight. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week